You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, our Connections pastor, Harvey Ellis, walks us through the latter half of Romans chapter 5 as we continue our series through this rich book. It's our prayer that God would show us more of who He is and who He intends for us to be as we hear from His Word today. Good morning. That's pretty impressive to hear that much response. Hey, thanks so much for allowing me to be here this morning. Um, It's a privilege to always stand and and speak uh, God's Word, preach God's Word. Um, And I'm very privileged to be here this morning. I, I thank Josh for allow me to, uh, to be in his spot. He usually feels in an incredible way, and I'm so thankful for his leadership. You know, he's mentioned to us each Sunday about the uh, Advent, and this Sunday, uh, the joy candle has been lit. And I just want to remind you about joy. I know we all know about joy. We know what that means, but I'm especially joyful this morning as I, as I look out uh, there's so many of you who have uh, texted me, called me, stopped me just to, to pray with me, to pray for me. You've uh, done that in a very personal way. You've, you've joined other groups. And I, it just means a lot. So I, I hope you know how much joy you've brought me just in the last couple of days. As you've done that with me in the last few days, I know you do that often with other people. And this time of year is such a great opportunity for you to help spread joy to others. You know, there are people all around us who are struggling, who are going through moments uh, that they never saw coming. They're really not experiencing a lot of joy these days, maybe in a moment or two. But I, I pray as a church family, as your family, as a neighbor, as a friend, as a coworker, you will find some very intentional, specific ways to encourage others as you've done me and pray for them. Give them a pat on the back. Shake their hand. Find a way to, to show them why you have such joy in your life. And that's because of your relationship with Christ. And I look forward to seeing how, how that works. I mean, I, I hope that, that you'll have to go home and tell your family about what God's done in your life today or this week because of ways that you've been able to spread a little joy to others. Uh, today, Matthew, I'm sorry, we're not Matthew, are we, Josh? Okay. I'm just, I want to make sure I was ready, but I, I know you're ready now. Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 12 through 21. Josh has, been, has already talked about that, as you know. But in, in this chapter, Paul views the justification of men by faith from yet another much broader perspective. And uh, Josh did a great job of beginning that with us last week. But basically, it's, it's the death in Adam and the life in Christ. And this morning, I hope you'll read along with me in those verses. We're going to look at, at these verses together. I'm going to stop and pause a few times and, and tell you a little bit about what that's meant to me this week and the last few weeks as I've studied and prepared for this time. And, and hopefully a few other just personal words of how God has reminded me of the importance of this, these verses of Scripture. Verse 12, so then just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Yeah, you know, when I first started reading 
these verses, I, I started to call Josh and say, Josh, man, I, I think you set me up because th- there's so much in here and, and I am very, I'm very able to, to get things messed up a little bit if I, if I don't even try. So if, as I'm trying to, to help you understand this, stay with me here, but there's so much in these verses, I want to remind you about a few things. First and foremost, this verse gives us a reminder of what we've already seen in Red Romans that we've all sinned. Josh is reminded about that. Paul reminds about that in Romans 3, but we've all sinned. And today we're reminded once again of how it began. It began with, with Adam. Paul sets out to establish two very important connections here. One is Adam with all of man, and one is Adam with Christ. We're going to talk about the, the first part, Adam with man, then we're going to get to Adam and the comparison and contrast with, with Christ a few moments later. Adam was regarded rightly so as a source of sin's entrance into our world. His act of disobedience encountered sin to first be entered into human history. But Adam's sin did much more than this. It brought guilt upon all of us. Because of Adam, we are born with a sin nature. The point is this, Adam's sin and his consequences included and involved the entire human race, each and every one of us. And that doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, one, one man's actions affected all of us. I, I just don't like the sound of that because it seems so unfair to the rest of us. And yet, as I thought about that, I was reminded just a few years ago when I was about in the second grade, might have been more than a few years ago, but I was in the second or third grade or something. And I remember it had to be one of my classmates because I never got in trouble for any reason. You can ask my parents, they're here this morning. They'll tell you I never got in trouble unless my brother or sister did something to encourage me. But one of my classmates would talk too much or do something they shouldn't do. And the teacher, the teacher would make each one of us in that class stay in for recess, or even worse, we wouldn't get to have our snack because of what one person had done. One person affected the entire class. One action of a student in my class affected each of us. And again, even though that sounds really unfair, that's what happened with Adam. One person did something and it affected each and, one of, each and every one of us. And I know on the whole scale of things, that seems very small, but it, it did teach and has taught me a great and a very valuable lesson about how sin affects us because of one person's actions, and that being Adam. Verses 13 and 14 for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where, sin, where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Paul is saying here very simply, death is a punishment for sin. In the Garden of Eden, Eden God said to Adam, Hey, don't, don't eat of that fruit of that tree. Don't do that. 
Because if you do, you will surely die. But Adam broke that very specific, clear cut command. You see, this is what Adam was doing. Adam was choosing to be a very independent person and denying his dependence on God. It was an act of rebellion. It was an act of idolatry. He was enthroning himself as a God in place of God. Those were the implications of his action. But you know, before we get too tough on, on Adam, we probably ought to just pause and, and take a look at ourselves. Because we wrestle with the same things, don't we? We deny our dependence on God. We rebel against him daily. We do things we know we shouldn't do. We sin. And then Paul makes the obvious point here that the law did not bring sin, though. It is instead, it revealed sin. It didn't bring sin, it revealed sin. Like a magnifying glass, it showed us what was already there. These two verses remind us that even before God gave the Ten Commandments, that man sinned. We see that clearly in Genesis 5, where we read the, the first genealogy in the Bible. And it gives us the generations from Adam to Moses, and each one ends with the same refrain. And he died because of sin. Death ruled over all humanity, even before God revealed his law to Moses. In order to have death, Paul says, there had to be a command to, to break, but people were dying long before the law was given. People died from the time of Adam to Moses, as you see there in Scripture. How could that be? If death is a result of breaking the command, Paul's conclusion is this. The whole race was actually capable of sin when Adam sinned. The command was broken in Adam. Death was there even before the law was given. Death was there before the law was given. The most important phrase in this paragraph and this is in the last part of this verse says Adam was a pattern of the one, of the one to come. And through the rest of this passage, these next few verses, Paul is going to show us how Adam is a picture of Christ and yet there's a great contrast between the two as well. So let's look at verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The gift that we all want, that we're all looking for is righteousness. A sense of worth, a sense of significance in life. That's what righteousness means. And that gift of righteousness comes only through Jesus. The trespass mentioned here is Adam's disobedient act in the Garden of Eden. The gift, Paul says, is not like the trespass. Comparison and contrast. The gift gives us value because of the price that Jesus paid for our trespass. And aren't we thankful that Jesus paid 
for our trespasses, for our sins. Paul is actually saying this. Adam brought a single experience of death to all people. He brought a single experience to, of death to all people. We only die once. Adam brought that death to us, but Christ brought a repeated and ever-growing experience of life to all in him. Now, now I want to be clear about this. Salvation is, is one time. We're saved through Christ in that one moment when we make that decision to follow him as our Savior and our Lord. But the grace we receive from our Lord, we can experience that over and over and over. We can experience this grace when we feel down. We're going through some tough days, some tough moments. When our spirit is just crushed. When we're feeling insignificant or inadequate or insecure. Or when we just need to be renewed. So again, the reminder here from this verse and these verses is Jesus is greater than Adam. Paul is now starting to compare and contrast Adam with Jesus. One man, Adam, brought guilt to all of us. One man, Jesus, brings grace to all of us. Again and again. The gift that Jesus offers is for everyone, just as the sin of Adam has affected all of us. So again, as I mentioned earlier, from that second great experience, it affected all of us in a negative way, but what Jesus did affected and can affect all of us in an incredibly great way. And I pray that is true for you, and if it's not, I pray it will be true for you, that you will accept and allow his grace to affect you. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Justification, I, I know Josh has mentioned this several times, but just to be clear, I want to remind you about justification. The action or declaring of making righteous in the sight of God, being justified. Being made righteous in the sight of God. Adam's single trespass brought in judgment, brought in death. Adam trespassed once and brought death to all of us. Christ died once, and despite thousands of trespasses of sin, brought justification to all that are in him. What Paul is saying here is amplified before this in, in repeated forgiveness of sin. One trespass brought death. The death of Jesus brought forgiveness for thousands of trespasses. All your life, as many times as you sin, you cannot out the grace of God. And I'm so thankful for that. And I know you are. As a follower of Christ, you are thankful that we cannot out that grace of God. But as a follower of Christ, our desire should be to be more like Christ, right? That's our desire. Yes, sin is still real in our life, but our desire is to move closer to Christ, to move closer to Him and His Word. As we do that, we move further away from sin. What are you doing today to move closer to Christ? 
I, I, you know, I, I know this time of the year, there's so many things that, as good as they are, they almost encourage us to move further away from Christ. Busyness. Work, families, making sure we get the right gift. But as we get closer to Christ, we realize we have the only gift that we really need. And that's the gift of Him, His Son, Jesus. Verse 17. For if because of one's, one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Adam's transgression permitted sin and death to reign over mankind. Adam's transgression permitted sin and death to reign over each of us. This is talking more than just about a funeral at the end of your life. This is talking about death that comes to us at the end of life because of Adam. And it reigns throughout our life. Struggles because of, of Adam, because of Adam's sin. So what is life? Life is joy, it's love, it's excitement, it's vitality, it's enrichment, power. It is fulfillment in every direction. In every possibility, that's life. Death is the absence of life. Paul is saying here, he's reminding us that Christ's death provides such abundant grace and loving acceptance. And they are, again, are available again and again and again. That for all of us who reign in him, you can have life in the midst of all pressures and circumstances and suffering and troubles. We can reign in life now. We can have love. We can have joy. We can have peace. We can have that, but it's our choice to have that. I, I, I love the verse in Ephesians 3.20. It reminds us about the abundance from, chapter, from verse 17. It says that, that he is able to do immeasurably more. Abundance. God desires to give us so much more, abundantly more. And to be able to overcome abundantly more because of what he did for us in his son Jesus. What we lost in Adam, we regain in Jesus. Yeah, we lost a lot in Adam, but we regain that in Jesus. Verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Here Paul is saying that death, judgment, condemnation comes to us not because of our sins, but because of Adam's sin. It's a gift from Adam. That would not be considered a good gift, would it? And thus, acceptance and worth that we need to have, that love that we as humans desperately crave and must have in order to function, is also a gift. A gift from Jesus. 
At noon on January the 1st, 1863, Abraham Lincoln received the final draft of the Emancipation Proclamation. Twice the president picked up his pen to sign it, and twice he laid it down. He turned to Secretary of State William Seward, and he said, I've been shaking hands since 9 o'clock this morning, and my right arm is almost paralyzed. If my name ever goes down in history, it will be for this act. And my whole soul is in it. If my hand trembles when I sign this proclamation, all who examine the document from now on will say, he hesitated. So he waited. Then he took the pen again and slowly but firmly wrote his name, Abraham Lincoln. That historic act endured Lincoln to the world as one who freed others from bondage. One greater than Lincoln brought freedom to each of us. Jesus signed our liberty with his own blood by dying on the cross to release us from slavery of sin. And I'm so thankful for that incredible act of love for each of us. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. I know Paul keeps repeating these, these words, they seem similar, but there's a reason because he wanted to make sure we understood this clearly. And, and there are people who claim today that we are righteous because God declares us righteous. But here it's reminding us that we are only made righteous in Christ. Paul is saying since we're born in Adam, sin and guilt are not an option with us. We have no way of choosing. We will sin. We will. We are born with that sin nature. But also we're in Christ. We have worth. Having worth and love is not something that we have to choose or earn. It's a gift from Jesus. We don't have to earn it. It's a gift. You have to receive it. And then we're going to conclude with two verses, verses 20 and 21. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Two verses sum up so much. But let me just remind you a few things about that. First, sin increased and grace abounded more. So why, why do we have the Ten Commandments? Yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but this, these verses reminded me about that. And in researching, studying this, Paul's answer is the Ten Commandments were never given to make men do right. That's what we think, that's why we think they were given, but they were given to show us how wrong we, we really are. Not to make us think we're doing right to, to show us how wrong we are. Paul then makes a point that the law did not bring righteousness. It only reveals sin. 
The law came so we could become more aware of our sin when we sit against God's standard. The law came then so we could see our desperate and rebellious condition. I want to explain this in a couple other personal ways as a, as a worship team comes, comes on up. As a boy, uh, my dad didn't, didn't really know this because there were plenty of times I didn't act like it, but I really did enjoy quail hunting as a, as a, as a boy, Dad. I really did. Now, there were plenty of times I complained because I was tired, and my dad didn't uh, think that we should stop walking if we'd found a few birds. We had to find a lot of quail. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I hear people say, I'm not sure why we don't have quail anymore. It may be because we got them all. I don't know, Daddy. Maybe that's, that's why. I don't know. But I, I really did enjoy those moments. But, you know, when we were walking out in just some good, even ground, we didn't find many birds, but it was so much easier to walk. And not get as tired because we could kind of take our time and enjoy the, the beauty of, of the world, the earth that God had made for us. But then one day, I don't remember how old I was, but one day I got introduced to soybean fields after a hard rain and really cold outside. And all of a sudden... That easy walking became incredibly difficult because all that mud that was dirt before got all underneath my boots and it would stick there and it would get on top. It got a little bit everywhere, I guess, because whatever my feet, my legs felt like they weighed normally, they doubled in weight. And I got really tired. I was more tired. I, I complained, I know, on more than one occasion. I complained, hey, I'm ready to, to go home. Because I, I was not real smart then, but I was smart to know if we had walked that far away from the truck or the house, we had to walk that far back. And I think I mentioned to you already, my boots were really heavy, really heavy. And then eventually, finally, finally, we would uh, get back to the truck. Now, now my dad, he might, he might have struggled, but he never complained about it. I complained about it. But we eventually got back to the truck and then to the house, and I could take those boots off, and I was so relieved because those boots had been so weighty. Just days, weeks before, they'd been really light. But all of a sudden, they felt really weighty on me. But my dad, he, 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 he would slow down a little bit. He probably wouldn't admit this. He would slow down a little bit so I could catch up. And he would pause when I acted like I had to get something, a briar or something out of my... He would pause and let me wait. And it's such a reminder about that. And then even to make it, let me, no, I can't forget this. And then to make it even better at the end, mother was there with a hot meal when he got home. That sealed the deal. Where sin increased, grace abounded all more. Where that, where that mud was so weighty, it was weighing me down. I didn't think I could go another step or two. 
I was reminded that I could because eventually it was going to come off. I was going to have some clean boots eventually. We have Adam. In Adam, we have greed. We have problems. We are limited. We have death. But in Christ, we have forgiveness. We have restoration. We have peace. We have heaven. And for this reason, as I mentioned in the beginning, we have reason for joy today. One of my favorite verses over the last few years has become Romans 12, 12. It begins with rejoice, be joyful, and hope. We have reason this morning to have joy, to have hope. We, we have reason, but we've got to make that decision. Do you have joy this morning? Not because it's Christmas time, although that's a part of it. But do you have joy this morning because you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Do you have that joy? That's the way to experience that joy. If you have it, hey, I said earlier, go find ways to share that with someone this week. There are people waiting. Could be someone in your family, could be a neighbor, could be a coworker. I don't know, but I, I can assure you there's someone waiting to hear. Could be someone in, in this room today. But on the other hand, if you don't have that joy, if you've never experienced the joy of Christ, today's a great day for that to begin. I don't know where you are in your relationship to Christ today. But if you've never trusted him as your Savior, as your Lord, today is a day of salvation. Father, thank you so much for all the words that you remind us of in, in your word. And God, in Romans, I, I tell you, I, I'm just almost just taken back by all the, the things that are said and, and all the things I didn't say today about this chapter about these verses. That God, remind us as followers of Christ and as people who are here in your church today that sin does bring death. It brings separation. But God, thank you that through your son Jesus, we have the privilege of having life. And not just life, but life eternal. God, thank you for this incredible time of the year. Thank you that we can experience Christmas. But Father, I pray as we're experiencing Christmas this year that we will look for ways to help others maybe experience Christmas for the very first time. And that's with a relationship with your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you have a decision to make, there will be ministers, pastors here at the front. If you want to look at joining a great church in this area, I highly recommend this one. If you have questions, you want to pray with someone, again, there'll be people here to listen, to talk, to pray with you. Let's all stand together at this time, please.